Well, I am going to use my iPad, even though I don't like technology because it could die on you, but I have notes, because I can zoom in and I don't have to wear my glasses. So, Because when I wear my glasses and then look up, I get dizzy and I don't want you guys to have me pass out up here. So, well, happy Mother's Day. It is a special day. And trust me, Friday wasn't as bad as Aaron made it to seem. I thrive when my children need me. So... <laughs> And when Rachel was actually feeling a little better on Friday, so we got to watch the Hallmark Channel while we waited for Andrew to come home. So we were watching movies on the Hallmark. So um, it was a mystery. It was a good one. Um, as I was praying about uh, sharing on Mother's Day, first of all, I'll thank you all you women who told him that I should speak more. Hmm. <laughs> he's not camping. He's here. So thankfully, he's here to, and not you know, off somewhere else, because it's, I like being able to look down and be encouraged by looking at him, so, um, but as I was praying, I just felt like God was just kept bringing me back to some just different questions about, you know, as a mom, what am I leaving for the next generation for my kids, but also for other people that I'm around, and how am I impacting them, and um, what kind of legacy am I going to leave, and I just thought, well, you know what, that's not just moms, that's all of us. We all leave a legacy, and so that's kind of what I was um, just drawn to and was just praying about, and I actually wrote this, most of this message on an airplane, and so I had a whole road to myself, and I had my worship music going, and I was just worshiping God, so it was kind of exciting for all those people walking by. They're probably like, hmm, maybe they felt the spirit coming off me, I hope, so... My big picture point is the choices we are making today are sowing the seeds for the legacy that we will leave for future generations. So we're sowing the seeds. Um, what is a legacy? I love Lynn Manuel Miranda. She's a playwright. I don't know anything else she does, but this quote she says is legacy. What is a legacy? It's planting seeds in a garden you'll never get to see. Our impact on the next generation, yes, we may see a little bit, so we may be seeing a little bit of green here and there, but we don't ever get to fully see how much we impact the next generation. And I just want you to be reminded of that today as we just talk about legacy. A definition in the dictionary just says something such as property or money that is received from someone who has died, like she's left a legacy of a million dollars, or also something that happened in the past or that comes from someone in the past. He left his children a legacy of love and respect. The war left a legacy of pain and suffering. Her artistic legacy lives on through her children. So those are definitions in the dictionary. And I just kind of took those ideas and thought, well, you know, of course there's money that we can leave the, our children. And, and yes, that probably blesses them. But what I think the most important thing we can leave them is a legacy of our faith and our, our Christianity and the things that God pours into us. And... Um, we have a choice. As Christians, we have a choice of what we leave behind. Do we want the next generation to remember us as angry and bitter and um, going to church but not really a Christian, you know, that kind of thing? Or do we want them to see us thriving and, and to learn from that? And so that's kind of where we're going to go today. And I want to start off by just talking about a few women in the Bible. Actually, most of my um, scriptures are about women because it is Mother's Day. And there's some amazing women in the Bible. But the first point I just want to say is no matter who you were in the past, from this day forward, you can write a new legacy. We get to write our legacy. And it doesn't matter if you were a drug addict, you don't have to have that as your legacy. Yes, that's part of your testimony, and Val did a great job last week talking about, to opening up about testimonies. I love that, that, you know, the tests and the trials we go through 
are important to share because that's our testimony, but that's not the legacy that, we're, that we leave behind. So first I want to go to uh, one in Joshua, the book of Joshua. Her name was Rahab, and most of you probably know her as a prostitute, which, you know, that was her, what she was before. And it says in Joshua 2, 8 through 11, this is when... Um, they sent over spies into Jericho, and this is her going up. She kind of hid the spies on her roof, and this is her going to talk to them. She says, before the spies went to sleep that night, Rahab went up on the roof she, to talk to them. I know the Lord has given you this land, she told them. We are all afraid of you. Everyone in the land is living in terror, for we have heard how the Lord made a dry path for you through the Red Sea when you left Egypt, and we know that you, what you did to Sihon and Og, the two Amorite kings east of the Jordan River, whose people who you completely destroyed. No wonder our hearts have melted in fear. No one has the courage to fight after hearing such things. For the Lord your God is the supreme God of the heavens above and the earth below. Rahab chose to believe in God that day. She chose that she heard these rumors and what this God was doing, and she chose to believe. She chose that, you know, I... Prostitutes were interesting back then because a lot of times the women had no choice. Their parents sold them into it because um, they needed money. They were given to the temple to be prostitutes. It was just a, not a great lifestyle for women, especially in Jericho. And so this, we don't know her history or what her past was, but we know that that day she chose, I'm going to help these men and I'm going to choose to follow God. And she changed her legacy that day. They, When the Jericho walls came down, she survived with her family and she joined um, the Israelites, and she became part of that. And by reading genealogy, we discover that she marries someone from um, one of the, the Israelites, and she's part of the genealogy all the way back to, from her all the way to Jesus, we can see, to King David. We know that Boaz is a few generations after her, and he's just a, an amazing man. And so we can see that her legacy lives on, not from being a prostitute. That's not what she taught her children. She taught them the legacy of trusting God and this amazing God that she saw what he had done. Um, sharing your story of salvation is also so important. Like I said, your testimony. And a few hundred years after Rahab, we hear in the book of Ruth about a woman named Naomi. And I love the, the book of Ruth. And this scripture is one of my um, favorite scriptures. It's hanging on my wall, but it talks about um, when Naomi... First, you know, the history of, of the book of Ruth is that Naomi and her husband left because of a drought, and they lived, moved to Moab, and then when they were there, her husband dies, and then her sons die, and so she's left with two daughter-in-laws that are from that country, and she's just like, you know, I have nothing, and so she hears that the, there's no drought anymore, so she's like, I'm going to go back to Bethlehem is where she was from, and so she decides to go back and tries to send her daughter-in-law's away, but they're saying, no, we want to go with you. And one finally does go back to her family, but Ruth, this is what she says in 116. But Ruth replied, don't ask me to leave you and turn back. Wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you live, I will live. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. A lot of us have learned about the book of Ruth and we learned even about how powerful a woman Ruth was, but Naomi was the one that poured into her. And we have to remember that, yes, she was bitter and she had issues like that, but we all go through those seasons of, of loss and grief and what that does to us. But she poured into her daughter-in-laws. 
Ruth wanted to follow her God. She didn't want to go back to the, the gods of her people. She wanted to follow Naomi. And I just think that's so beautiful that, um, that she impacted Ruth's legacy because she chose to share her faith with her. And we know Ruth became the great-grandmother of King David and in the line of Jesus. And so that's a powerful legacy right there, too. Victoria Osteen, she's an author. She says, children touch all our lives. We all have the opportunity to sow seeds into the next generation. And there's nothing more important than we can leave on this earth than a legacy of faith, hope, and confidence in our God. Faith, hope, and confidence in our God. That's the most important thing that we can leave to our children and to the next generation. And a great example in the New Testament um, is in the book of 2 Timothy, and it's of Timothy, Timothy's mother and grandmother. It's Eunice and Louis. Uh, Louis. I always want to say Louise because that's Hannah's middle name. Lois. And they taught a heritage of faith. And in 2 Timothy 1.5, this is the only... Thing written about them. It says, I remember your, this is Paul speaking, I remember your genuine faith for you share the faith that was first filled with your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And I know the same faith continues strong in you. So Timothy was shaped into the man of God he was and had the faith that he was because of his mom and grandmother. And Paul saw that. So Paul obviously had a relationship with Timothy enough that he knew his mom and he knew his grandma and could see that they poured into him. And that even impacted Paul. And so these two women that were probably just living their life, you know, following God, they impacted a man named Timothy who became an amazing preacher and pastor and also Paul and then all of us as well. And so this tiny little scripture in here just shows how important a legacy of faith is to leave to our children. So that's kind of like the main focus I want to talk about today. I have four points under that of what kind of legacy of faith that we want to leave our kids. Because we can say that and it's like, okay, we can teach them faith, but let's go a little deeper. So number one, it's personal. We want to leave a legacy of faith that is personal. And the first thing is, do you have a personal relationship with Jesus? It has to start there. If you don't, and you're saying, I don't, I don't know Jesus personally, how does that mean? Then at the end of service, we're going to have prayer, and you need to come forward, and you need to just surrender your life to him, because you can't leave a legacy of faith unless you have that personal relationship. Um, Jane Jarrell, she's an author, says, we cannot expect our faith to live beyond us unless our faith first lives, lives within us. So the most important and significant thing that we can do is share our faith with our children and the generation to come. It's so important to share your stories with your kids. You know, you can't just expect them to um, turn out amazing people if we never share Jesus with them. We never share what, what we've gone through and what we've done and how we, our lives have been changed by Jesus. It's so important. And maybe not even just our children, but the people around us. Um, the Israelites in Deuteronomy, they, uh, they were writing all the laws and stuff. And one of the things that they decided that was so important was they need to share this with the next generation. They need to make sure that it's always being talked about, the law of the Lord. And now we have Jesus, so we, we need to share that too. But they were so, in, you know, they wanted to make sure that it was shared. And it says, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to, those, to these commands that I'm giving you today. 
Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you're on the road and when you're going to bed, when you're getting up. Tie them on your hands. Wear them on your foreheads as reminders. Write them on your doorpost of your house and on your gates. And that's Deuteronomy 6, 5 through 9. How, how cool is that? Like, write it, like, the forehead. Yeah, they, had, they would wear things on their head of Scripture just to remind them. They would have it on their doors, and so anytime they entered their home, they would touch it and just be reminded of the law, of the, what, you know, what they wanted to leave for their next, to the next generation. And that's so true. They didn't have so much of the written. They couldn't really write so much and pass it down as well like we can. We can email it or text it, right? But they just had to keep repeating it, and they would share it over and over again, and that's how they would remember be reminded of it themselves. And you can tell like that when they fell away from the Lord, they kind of stopped doing that. And then they would turn back to that and they would start reading the, the scripture out loud at the temple again. And then they would fall away and then they would start doing that again. And you could just see how important it is to, to share it with the next generation. So make it sure it's personal. Number two, legacy of faith that is enduring. Enduring. Children learn, learn more about our faith during our difficult days than in our good days. Sometimes I know that my, my parents, my, especially my grandparents, they didn't talk about their difficult days. They kind of put up a good front, and I learned that too, that we just kind of press through, we're strong, and we don't talk about it. But it's important for our kids to see how we handle it. And they, how to handle the stresses and struggles of life when we trust God. It's important for them to see that. Lady Bird Johnson, isn't that a cool name, Bird Johnson? She's the wife of former President Lyndon Johnson. She said, sometimes the greatest bravery of all is to simply to get up in the morning and go about your business. So on those hard-to-get-up mornings, you have to keep going. And that's a great testimony and just shows bravery. And that, when I read that quote, it just, it really touched my heart because... Um, enduring is kind of my testimony. <laughs> and um, there's been many times in my life, and one of them was um, for this spot when I was thinking about getting up out of bed when I had Rachel, and, and she was probably about a toddler, I would think, two years old. I really struggled to get out of bed. I had horrible postpartum depression after her. And I remember just laying in bed just thinking, I can't do it. I can't get up. There's, and I'd hear the kids, you know, out there playing, and I'm like, oh, Lord, just give me the strength to get up. And I would. I mean, I'm here today, so I would keep getting up. And I kept pushing through, but I was so defeated, and I felt like I was the worst mom ever, that, I, you know, they, they deserve something better. And um, I just always beat myself up over and over again. And when I read this and then, you know, doing this, this scripture, I just felt like a release of it. Like, you know what? I did the best I could, and my kids saw that I went through that, and they saw that I endured. And even these last two years of being in uh, pain and stuff, the kids saw that I went through that, but they saw my faith through it. And I think that sometimes we forget about that, that when we are enduring and going through hard times, talk to your kids, talk to your people, the people around you, um, and share it, because that's how they learn to go through it, because they're going to go through hard times. Sadly, they, they will, and we don't want them to. We want their life to be perfect, but our kids are going to struggle. And if we don't teach them how to struggle then you know, with, with God, then they're going to maybe even fall away from the Lord. So we need to make sure that we teach our children how to endure and have the faith to endure. Number three is a legacy of faith that is consuming. I love this one, consuming. 
Let your faith in Jesus Christ consume you. Allow Jesus to be the center of your life at the very core of your being, deep down in your heart. You want him to be bubbling up out of you. You want him to, um, you want to fall in love with him every day and you want your kids and the people around you at work and um, your neighbors, your friends, your family, everyone to see that it's coming out of you. It's like, like, man, that person loves Jesus. We want that. I said, let the atmosphere of your home be full of God's spirit. That's been so important to me because I feel like, especially my children, but also anybody that enters my home, I want them to feel the spirit. And I've always been careful about what movies we watch. My kids, it drives them crazy. None of them are in here, I just realized that. But there were certain movies I would not let my children watch. Or we would start watching them and I would turn them off and they'd be like, Mom, like, sorry, I got a funny feeling. I don't like this movie. And they're like, it's just like this movie. I said, no, it's not. This one's giving me a funny feeling. We're turning it off. And so now that they're older, they're like, hey, I watched that movie. I'm like, oh, you know, how dare you? But I just wanted to set that atmosphere in my home of, you know, what music's playing. You know, I turn on worship music just all the time just because I want that, the spirit moving around. I, you know, pray over every room in your house. Pray over your kids' rooms, you know, especially when they're not home. And they might think it's weird that you walk in when they're in bed and be like praying over them. But hey, God tells you to do that. But pray over your room. Anoint the rooms. Because that's the power we're leaving, the atmosphere we're changing. Caref- be careful what you're talking about. Especially as adults, sometimes we think we can talk about issues that are going on in the world and it's too much for our kids. Or it's too much for people. Um, and also, now we can change the atmosphere of our home, but I believe that we can also change the atmosphere of everywhere we go. So think about when you walk into a coffee shop or you go to work or you go to your neighbor's house that's maybe they're struggling. You're walking in there. You're bringing the presence of God with you. And if you're consumed, then it should come out of you and you should change the atmosphere of everywhere you're going. And maybe not so much where, you know, it's like everyone notices it, but maybe one person does and you're able to to share with them and talk with them. So let's have a legacy that's consuming. And number four... We need a legacy of faith that is hopeful, hopeful, a hope for now and for eternity. We need to teach our children to to pray and hope for things now, but we also need to make sure they know what eternity is and that our children know what heaven and hell is. We need to make sure our our friends, our neighbors, that everyone knows because God put them in your life for a reason for you to make sure you you share with them. I really do believe that. We need to teach them to be like we've been learning the last three weeks about miracles and breakthroughs and um, in that kind of area, we need to teach our children to have that faith to believe for healings. For um, They can pray for anybody and, and not to be afraid and ashamed of that. We need to have that bubbling up in them. Like I said, the spirit bubbling, but also the faith to be hopeful and to believe for that things will happen. I ran across a story of a, a lady named Wilma Rudolph. I don't know if you've heard her name. This is back, she was born back in the 30s. But she had um, several childhood illnesses, including she had polio, pneumonia, scarlet fever, all as a young child. And um, with the polio, they told her she would never walk. And eventually, a few years later, she was able to get a brace on one of her legs and began to walk, which was right there, a miracle. And then by 12 years old, she took that brace off and was be able, be able to start walking. She's discovered she loves sports, so she started playing basketball. And then she discovered, hey, I'm really fast. And so she started running. 
And by 1960, she was the fastest woman in, in the world, and she won three gold medals at the Olympics. So from going from not being able to walk to be able to run in the Olympics, and they, when they asked her to reflect back on it, she, they asked her, or she said, you know what, the doctors told me I would never walk, but my mama said I would walk. I chose to believe my mama. Isn't that cool? That just shows the power that we have to give, the, give someone hope. Because without it, they, she probably would never have walked if her mom said, nope, you're never gonna walk. But she just kept believing that she could. And I think, wow, how many, how many people we could impact by just giving them hope. When we pray for someone when they're not feeling well or they're sick or maybe they are in a wheelchair and we just pray for them, we're going to give them that hope. We're depositing that inside of them. I want to share a little bit about another woman in the Bible named Hannah. I mean, my daughter's named Hannah, so I do like the story. But Hannah was um, a woman that could not get pregnant, and she wanted to have a baby so bad, and she kept going to the temple and praying for it and just um, wanting one. And she became so depressed. She wasn't eating well. She was just so discouraged, and uh, especially because, well, part of it, her husband did have another wife. So right there, that's depressing. But um, that woman would mock her and make fun of her. And... There's a story in in 1 Samuel that it talks about how one of the times she was at the temple and she was just crying out to the Lord. And um, I'm going to read it. It's chapter 1, verse 10 through 18. It says, Hannah was in deep anguish, deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. So just imagine her just, you know, the messy crying where your snot's coming out and your face is all red. And she made this vow, O Lord of heaven armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. And as she was praying to the Lord, Eli, who was the priest, watched her, seeing her lips moving but hearing no sound, he thought she had been drinking. Must you come here drunk, he demanded. Throw away your wine. Oh, no, sir, she replied. I haven't been drinking wine or anything stronger, but I'm very discouraged, and I'm pouring out my heart to the Lord. Don't think I'm a wicked, wicked woman, woman, for I have been praying out of great anguish and sorrow. In that case, Eli said, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. Oh, thank you, sir, she exclaimed. Then she went back and began to eat again, and she was no longer sad. So she didn't have any hope when she went there, right? She was just so discouraged and so just crying out to the Lord. But just one word from Eli, the priest, just saying, God's going to answer your prayer, it changed her. It, it, it did something in her spirit and lifted it. And she left that place hopeful. And it wasn't like she was pregnant right then. She wasn't, but she, had, she believed it could happen and it would happen. And I think that's an amazing story. And I know for me that was... Um, a big deal that I've shared a little bit of this store part of my story before but in 2012 well 2011 when I was diagnosed with my brain condition 2012 that summer I was at the lowest of lows after going from doctor to doctor you know all the specialists and just being told either I'm crazy I have anxiety I have depression I just need to work on that or you know that you do have a brain condition but I don't think it's anything to do with your your problems or your pain so you should go to a different doctor and just being pushed around everywhere I was so discouraged and so we were at a um, 
summer camp that summer, Aaron was speaking, and it was just a regular worship service, and all of a sudden, just I felt the Spirit tell me, it will lift. Those simple three words, it will lift. And right away, I knew what he was talking about. I knew the heaviness that I was feeling and the depression, and I knew that he was, it was going to lift. And it's interesting now, because if I think about it, my brain condition, my brain's lower, and so it'll lift. I think that's kind of powerful that it's going to lift up. And you know what? It didn't happen miraculously right then, but I left that camp a different person because I had hope again. I realized I had lost hope that I still believed that God could do miracles, yes. I still believed that he loved me, yes. But you know what? I stopped praying for myself. I stopped believing it was going to happen to me. I just thought, this is my thorn in my, my flesh. I'm just going to have to keep pushing through. And I don't want to be discouraged anymore, so why, why keep praying? And that was the mindset I went to camp with. And when I left, I just went, left with a different mindset of, no, I'm going to keep believing because God promised that he, he will lift it. And it was about six to eight weeks later when um, it happened. And it was actually when I found out I was pregnant. And I was pregnant with Hannah. And I reminded myself of this story of Hannah of having hope. And that was why Hannah was one of the top names for if I had a girl. Um, just because when you have hope, it changes just changes something inside of you. And I feel like that's so important that we have that. And even when we're praying for people, but also praying for ourselves, that we need to just kind of evaluate ourselves. Like, have I lost hope? Have I lost, you know, thinking that God wants to touch me or God even wants to speak to me? And um, we need to make sure we teach our children that. We need to teach our children how to be hopeful, how to be, you know, not discouraged all the time and believing that it's only for other people, but to just be excited and hopeful. So to close, if the worship team wants to, to come up, I just want to have, I have a few thoughts just that um, I want to ask. Are you making sure the next generation knows your story? Remember, God has people in your life, all around you, that you can reach. And then also, we need to make choices today to rewrite our story if we need to. Are there things that we need to change? Are there, are there places that we maybe need to surrender to God? And then also, just begin to pray and just ask him, Lord, show me someone in my life, just one person right now that I can um, pour into, if it's your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, your neighbors, your coworker. Um, it could be anyone, maybe the person that makes you the most angry at work. <laughs> but you know what? They might need to be poured into. They might need that hope. We don't know what people are always going through. We don't know that maybe they've lost hope or maybe they are just so overwhelmed with life and we just need to pour into them and share you know, an encouragement. Hey, I went through this and this is how God brought me through it. And it might just change everything about them. So remember, we need a faith that is personal, enduring, consuming, and then hopeful. And if we can leave the next generation those four things of that kind of faith, whew, it's going to be powerful. We're going to have just a different generation rising up. I mean, people are giving up on the next generation. They really are. They're saying there's no hope for them. But we have to believe that there is, that God has a purpose for each one of them. And we don't know what little thing that we're going to say to them might impact their life and change their lives. I know I have many women in my life that, you know, I only, a little bit here and there, but they've impacted me so powerfully from when I was a little kid in my nursery class all the way up to now. There's just women that have always been um, 
really impactful, even men in my life too. And so I just want you to be encouraged today. And we're going to close with the song, The Blessing, which I just love. That's just, we're just speaking blessing over the next generation. And I just want you to, as we sing it, just to begin to pray it, like over your children, over the people you're, you're with, and just pray this song um, over them. And then we're going to have a time of worship or a time of prayer, so our altar team ministry. And if you just feel anything from this message, if you need a personal relationship with the Lord, you come forward. But also if you just are struggling to endure or to have hope or um, to any of these areas, come forward and have prayer for it. And then also if you need a miracle, you can always come forward and pray for a miracle. You can stand in the gap for someone too because there's so much power in that. And if you're watching online and you need prayer, I just encourage you to reach out to someone that you know that's a believer and ask for prayer. But also you can email us, you can call us at the church, and we of course want to join you as well in prayer because it's so important to make sure that we're not going through life alone. And so we're being poured into, but also that we pour into other people. Amen.